Yes, good evening. It is 6.01 and 40 seconds here on the Radio Free Brooklyn.org clock, which means you are about to start listening to Sitting with Jan Luca here at Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Jan Luca. I will be sitting with you till 7 p.m., after which teens take the mic will take over. Um, I am going to do uh, this sitting with me this week, actually. is Well, it's an archive interview. Chris Smither, who is a um, vintage, uh, iconic folk musician that came out of the Cambridge folk circuit in the 60s. Uh, what's that called? I hate the word legendary, but it probably applies to him anyway. Um, there's another word for that. Can't think of it right now. But anyway, Chris Smithers, I'll call him legendary for now. And he is going to um, absolutely, he's an amazing songwriter, a absolutely amazing songwriter. Uh, he is going to be talking about writing songs and a whole lot of other things and playing live for us here at Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, although it is an archive interview, I am going to start playing. He was <clears throat> one of his better known songs, actually, is sung by Bonnie Raitt, as a matter of fact. I'm going to play that right now. It's um, this is the song that he has he is best known for. And it's uh, Bonnie Raitt. Love, love me like a man written by Chris Smither.
Thank you, Chris. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Yeah. Good to see you. You came out of the the Boston sort of folk scene, scene. There. Yeah. yeah. A little bit historically, it's been overlooked. It's all been Greenwich Village for the most part when you read about it. I guess I wanted to ask you about it because you chose to go to Boston. I did, yeah. And and why? What was going on there, really? Well, there, there was a, a vibrant scene. There was there was a, and there was a, a lot of cross fertilization going between the village and Cambridge. It was it was the other big scene at the time before things really started to happen on the West Coast and. I, I guess the focus of it would have been the Club 47, but there were enormous numbers of, of very influential, great musicians that worked a lot there and, and hung out there. Uh, I went there specifically because Eric Von Schmidt had recommended you know, that I go up to New York or Cambridge, and I went to both, actually, but yeah. you know, I found Cambridge was eminently more affordable in the 60s than the city was, and... I, I started meeting people right away and, and found a lot of places to work, and I just wound up staying there. But, you know, Jim Queskin and the Jug Band, Tom Rush. Taj Mahal, I think. Taj from, Mahal came out of, you know, he's, he was originally from Springfield, Massachusetts, but, you know, certainly was a, a big part of that scene. And Joan Baez and Dylan, in part, was uh, spent a lot of time there. first heard this from uh, Rick Von Schmidt. He lives in Cambridge. Rick's a blues guitar player. I met him one day in the green pastures of uh, Harvard University. So you knew Rick von Schmidt? Oh yeah, he was the reason that I, I that I moved up there. He used to divide his time between a place in Sarasota and, and Cambridge, and he. Um, encouraged me you know he i met him in florida and he said oh where do you live and i said new orleans and he says nobody's ever going to listen to you in new orleans you gotta why don't you come up to new york and cambridge and, and i said uh i i said well that's that's a thought but of course in the back of my mind i said god has spoken and i'm going right. oh okay <laughs> and i i went and and i never really looked back it, it was quite a um a, a political thing, more political maybe than New York, because you had Harvard, you had. I, 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 that's it? all that stuff is <laughs> possible, but it, yeah. it didn't really register much with me. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, I knew yeah. was that there were people playing there, and there were all the old blues guys that were there, and that I would never get a chance to see in New Orleans. People like Lightning Hopkins and John Hurt, and you know Skip James, yeah. Reverend Gary Davis. They all played in the Northeast, and and you know as far as I was concerned. This is where it was happening. Songwriters were there. Songwriters were in and out. I could go back and forth between New York and, and Boston, the Boston area, very easily. I mean, were you getting gigs in New Orleans? Was, no. was Rick Von Schmidt right when he said no one was Oh, he was absolutely right. I mean, everybody has to leave New Orleans. Nobody, nobody gets anywhere if they don't leave New Orleans. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Including Louis Armstrong. But, you know, it's it's a very yeah. easy place. New Orleans is a very easy place to get sucked into oh, yeah. a sort of, you know, self-centric mm. you know, mode where the rest of the universe ceases to exist. You don't go yeah. anywhere. It's not really a guitar town, New Orleans. There's no. been Papoose Nelson. I mean, there's a few. It is it's... now. It's more so now than it was in the 60s. In the yeah. 60s, it was a horn and piano town. Did you manage to find anyone that was that was your way inclined? In high school, I couldn't find anybody. Right. It wasn't until really I went to college that I that I just started to discover other things and other ways of playing. I was sort of out there in left field by myself, and and uh, 
But when I was 17, I met a guy from Texas who introduced me to Lightning Hopkins' music. And then I met a couple of other people who knew some rudimentary finger-picking because all I really knew was a sort of a three-chord thump and bash. And, um, but from the time that I was 17 on, then I started to discover you know, what, what amounts to rudimentary rock and roll, which was you know, country blues and... Uh, and some country music as well. And I listened to pop music, too. Right. I mean, rock and roll and radio. I mean, it was, you know, New Orleans was was uh, very much into to R&B and oh, rock yeah. and roll. Of course, you know, and, and um, was the hometown for um, a lot of a lot of really famous people. Uh, oh, yeah. Everyone yeah, went through right. their little uh, J&M Records on <laughs> Rampart Street. <laughs> That's right. Cosmo <laughs> Studios. I, I better let you play something then. If you don't mind, if you feel like it. I don't mind at all. All right. I'm your cure 
get no satisfaction You can always go back home again But if you never check out this action You can always wonder just what might have been Let's step out now cool and steady Keep your head up, don't be shy Come on baby, I think you're ready So am I I think you're ready So am I Inside out is my direction. I love that line. And boy, do I understand it. And I wish I didn't. If it is 15 minutes, 18 seconds past 6 p.m. here at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, you are, that means you're about a quarter of a way through sitting with Gianluca here. I am Gianluca. I will be sitting with you till 7 p.m. Sitting with me is Chris Smither. Well, it's an archive interview of Smith, of Chris Smither that I did a while back. Um, a legend, legendary vintage uh, Anyway, from the 60s, great folks and great songwriter. Um, I should explain something about Chris Smither before we go on, because it does relate to the next part. That um, Chris Smithers plays sitting down, right? And while he plays guitar, you can hear that tapping. You might think it's a drummer or it might think it's someone playing the cojon or something like that. It's actually his feet. He um, he puts a board down and has these well-worn in loafers and he he does rhythm patterns with his feet while he is playing music and i told you that to tell you this because this is actually part of the next thing that myself and chris smither talk about sitting here today is chris smither Thank you so much, Chris. You're welcome. But I've never really asked an artist about their feet before. (laughs) It's it's a little bit weird for me. There's two of them. (laughs) There's two of them. Right, right. They're kind of in a place where I would expect them to be. But, I mean, it's always been a part of your sounds, maybe from the fourth record, I think, you started to... It's unconscious. I can't not do it. If if you try to keep my feet still, I can't play. But I'm I'm not really conscious of it. I don't think about it. I just do it. But it it adds something to it. I, I I didn't realize until much later that it was almost a necessary part of of what I'm doing because there's a lot of things that aren't really stated on the guitar or in the vocal that that are implied, but they're actually stated by the feet. And it took me a long time not only to figure out that the audience should hear it, but that I should I have to hear it. If the stage is carpeted and I don't I can't hear my feet, I don't play very well. There's a whole tradition in the um, north. Northeast in Canada. Right, and, and I the think- Maritimes. They still do it. There's a lot of guys up there yeah. that, that do that. And John Hartford used to have a dancing board, you know, yeah. he, and it was mic'd. Over the water's so blue, like a feather will float in our gum tree canoe. Sing over the water's so blue, like a feather will float in our gum tree canoe. Do you use special shoes? Yes. Okay. And I, I wear them until they're falling apart, right. and I keep them. 
I take them back and back to the cobbler. I've got one cobbler in Massachusetts who knows exactly what I want. You know, yeah, yeah. he puts the right kind of soles and the right kind of heels on. And there's another thing too is that you're from New Orleans, which is rhythm. Sent. I mean, you have drums with everything <clears throat> in New Orleans. From well, it's it's not just drums. It's the fact that the you know the rhythm is kind of backwards. You know, yeah. it's it's <laughs> it gets lots of rhythms get turned around and. And that was something that I I wasn't even aware of until I left New Orleans, you know. And everybody would say, "How come, you know, how come your heel comes down on the downbeat and you when your the the foot comes?" And I I said, "I don't know, you know. I I don't even understand the question." And they say, "Well, where are you from?" And I'd say, "New Orleans." And they say, "Well, no wonder." <laughs> that explains. <laughs> that did. Yeah. Maybe it explained it to them. It doesn't explain it to me. <laughs> no, but uh, your songs are, are sort of rather straight narrative for the most part. And it sounds like you're the sort of songwriter that actually writes words and builds a song around it, maybe. But I, I don't think that's the case with you. I think it's the, it's the opposite with you, isn't it? Are the words the last thing? The words Did, are the last thing. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I build the whole song, the whole, the whole harmonic rhythm. Everything about it is basically done before I even start writing. And I have no idea even when I start writing, I have no idea what the song is about. Sometimes until it's half finished, huh. it just sort of develops. It's an org- it's a very organic process. Generally, the the that sort of way of of songs tumbling out of a riff, I've heard more sort of the stream of conscious songwriters. Stream of consciousness writing is is another way of saying I don't want to commit to what this song is about. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I used to write more like that. I yeah. used to write what I thought of as impressionistic songs, yeah. you know, songs that would be almost a, a pointillist approach if I were a right. painter, you know, that if I put enough dots in, eventually it'll look like something, yeah. you know. But as I've gotten older and, and kept doing it for now, you know, over 40 years, I realized that, you know, you're supposed to just say it. Just come out and say it. If it's worth saying, you can you can make it clear, and then make it rhyme, and you get a song. I've heard novelists say this. You know, novelists they start writing a book and they have no real idea of what the book's about, or and the characters sort of just take them by the hand at a certain point and take them down all these weird roads. It sounds to me that your songs are a little bit maybe they are they are like that, but there's certain rules of conduct all the same. I mean, a novelist might write a story about a guy, but he can't he can't have the guy suddenly sprout wings and fly off unless it's a science fiction novel. He, yeah. has, to, he has to make him believable as a character, mm. as a human being. And, you know, that's the way I do. You know, that's the way I work with a song. Songs are, songs for the most part, at least in my experience, have to have their hands held from the beginning to the mm. end. They don't ever take off really by themselves. It's a, it's a, a focused effort on my part. However... Writing prose is another story entirely, and I've mm. done that and had characters take off. You know, right. they, and, they, and all I'm doing is trying to keep up. I'm just running along behind, writing it down. They do things that I that I never envisioned. A song has to stay a little bit anchored. Song, song is, is uh, you're, you're attached to it umbilically until it's born. <laughs> well, 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 what songs then have you have you uh, written that you didn't know what they were about until they were almost finished? Does that happen? None that were until they were almost finished, but often they're half done before I know I have any idea of where they're going. And and then and at that point, then you can take control of them. Okay, you know? but if it and the answer is almost all of them. Uh, I don't have any idea, you know, just a, half a verse will come out and that first verse that comes out might wind up being the last verse in the song. Uh-huh. Uh, I think there's a um, uh, something that you said once 
It was something about the song is talking to a part of the brain that wasn't didn't want oh, to yeah. be. Oh yeah, the song the songs come from a part of your brain that you're not really on speaking terms with, and then um, the idea is not to scare it off. I mean, you have to has to be sort of coaxed, and and once it's fully exposed itself uh, to, to, at least to the point where you can understand what that part of your brain is trying to get at then then your left brain can sort of take over and you can get analytical about it to a certain extent and shape it and 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 bring it under control but in the beginning you know it's a, it's a it's a struggle because there's a whole other part of you in there that doesn't doesn't really like to to think the way that we think of thinking it doesn't. It just responds to an environment. You're not one of the writers that gets something and feels something and has to write about it, are you? No. I mean, you don't write until there's a record to do, is that right? So That's correct. I, well, I, I don't write until about a year before there's a record yeah. to do. Because it takes me a year to write, you know, a handful of songs, like, you know, eight or nine originals yeah. and come up with a couple of covers that I'm interested in doing. So there's no song that begs you to write them or anything? Well, with- once I'm in songwriting mode, they yeah. do. In periods when I'm not actually focusing on it, that's when the music really happens. It happens often during sound checks. You know, right. When I've got a whole sound system set up and I need to make some noise into it, and I'll you know start playing riffs and little licks and say, "Well, that's interesting." And I'll just sort of file it away because that's that's the genesis of of a song. That's how they start. And maybe if you don't mind, would you mind playing one more song? I have maybe a couple of questions to ask, and I know food is on the way, and I'm rather mindful about that sort of thing. (laughs) No, I'd be happy to play another song. Imaginary shrouds, shadows that settle over me. I once was smart, way back at the start. I offered her my body and my soul. Thought in my heart that it would tear me apart, but it made me whole. simple keep it clear that's what we like to hear she don't argue she don't analyze if i say it's so it's so she don't want to know if it's a metaphor or something in disguise she let me know a long time ago it's better to say just what i mean Truth to tell, it can hurt like hell, but it keeps me clean. My guiding star, I don't stray far, I keep her in my mind and in my eyes. I've been lost before, never anymore. I just look up at my compass in the sky I had my fears in the early years 
that locked me up and thrown away the key. Lost my mind to the ties that bind, but they set me free. twice at the speed of light and time stood still oh my goodness songwriting run one there from chris smither you are uh, 27 minutes and 56 seconds into sitting with jan luca here at radio free brooklyn.org and which means uh, that at this time we beg for money because we are really broke like broke 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 um if you have any spare change nothing too small nothing too big please drop it in the hat um uh, if you go to the radio free brooklyn dot org website there are a uh, ton of there's a donate buttons all over the place and or i think it's slash donate but anyway it's easy to do nothing too small nothing too big if you have nothing we understand because we have nothing to uh hit likes hit whatever uh instagrams share share and all of this um oh by the way my instagram is sitting with gt and do get in touch do like me um, and I reply to everybody for requests and everything. So um, also there's, a, uh, there's an on-air read that I have to do because there are some nice people that are giving me money. I just have to find on-air read, not the Musicians Clinic. I did that last week. Where is it? Oh, here. Yes. Well, we have a mobile app. Do get that because that's bloody good. You can like listen to us everywhere. Um, but M.E. Bottle. Oh, God, this is good, actually. I'm just going to read it straight because I don't know it by, by Pat. Emmy Bottle is an important RFB sponsor. That means they give us money. They're very important. They keep our lights on and they keep me and us doing this thing. And, uh, and it's really cool, actually. After more of a year of dreaming, researching, experimenting, late night conference calls and early Saturday morning meetings, the Emmy team is happy and proud to present you the Emmy Bottle. This double, check this out. This double insulated, reusable stainless steel bottle disinfects water at a 60 second cycle using UVC LED technology and is 99.99% effective against E. coli. That's bloody good, isn't it? A single charge via micro USB lasts up to 30 days. And the bright LED display lets you know 
when the water is ready to drink. Join us in bringing clean water to all. Raise your bottle and drink to you and ME. Find out more at mebottle.com. There you go. Um, we're going to get back to Chris Smither, actually, here at Sitting with Jan Luca. And, uh, and it's uh, uh, he, he's so articulate, my goodness. So here he is. Back to Chris Smither here at Sitting with Jan Luca and RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. As well as writing songs, you have a way of... In, you're a, a very good interpreter of a lot of songs. What's your way into the songs, usually? Well, the, the, the most successful way for me to approach a song is, is to have listened to it a lot when I first hear it and then put it away for a long time and then try to remember it. And the, the memory of it, I always think to myself, yes, that's the way it went, you know, and I sit there and I, and I think it, uh, sing it and play it and say, yeah, that's basically the way it was. And it has usually changed considerably in my memory. It's sort of taken on a different shape. Um, if I can manage to remember that much, I find it much. It's very helpful to do it that way instead of going back to the original because it, it, so, it sort of ensures that you bring something new to it. You, know, you bring a new aspect, and, and actually, you bring something of your own to it because, of course, it's gonna it will have fermented in your own brain, you know, for a while. And um, Tim O'Brien, who's a pretty decent songwriter himself, mm, not bad. He, he said that's because that's um, because you're a songwriter. You know, and the way it comes out is the way you think it should have been written. Oh! <laughs> you know, and with, subconsciously, you're making corrections. <laughs> All right. I can hear that joke. How many songwriters does it take to change a light bulb? So, I don't know. <laughs> One to do it and the other hundred to say, I could have done that I better. I could have done that better, yeah. There's uh, uh, one of your interpretations, uh, Killing the Blues. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's one you're asked to play the most. I don't it know. Is. But uh, well, one of the most requested, yeah. Uh, the original is made by sort of a raggly-taggly group of Woodstock musicians. Leaves were falling just like embers In colors red and gold They set us on fire like a moonbeam in our eyes Somebody said this only Swinging the world by the tail Bouncing over When they sing it, um, it's, it's a man and a woman and it's sort of like a, I mean, it's kind of a breakup song. It's kind of a, or a post breakup song or a getting over it song. When you sing it, it's, um, it's heartbreaking. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not kind of sad. Yeah. yeah cheer up. <laughs> no, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, of, um, maybe a version of, um, like Smokey Robinson's tracks of my tears almost. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's it's a it's a tearjerker. And the first person I ever heard sing it was Sean Colvin way way back before she'd even made any records. And I said, "God, what a fabulous song!" And I decided to learn it. And she, I said, "Who wrote it?" I said, "Is that yours?" And she said, "No, Rolly Sally wrote that." And uh, so I learned it.
Shake for you use, but it just don't shake these blues. It don't shake these blues. Seems so hard, nothing left to fight it. Seems so easy to just let go. It seems so dumb to get so excited. This might be the last I told you so. Yeah, no matter how I try, but I just can't shake these blues. Dang, do I know what he's talking about? <laughs> I'm sure you do too. That was great. Du du double blues. Um, yes, double blues by Chris Mither, my guest here at, well, my uh, archive guest here at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. You're listening to Sitting with Jan Luca. You're about 43 minutes, 28 seconds through the show. I am Jan Luca. I will be sitting with you till 7 p.m. And I am going to finish off. Uh, well, I've got some time. I've got to 
play with, with a few more songs before uh, Sammy comes in with Teen Takes the Mic at 7 p.m. So I'm going to finish off by playing a, uh, by playing the final part of my interview with the great legendary Chris Smither. And here it is. No, here it ain't. Here it is. You know, and then she and I were doing a gig in uh, Austin, Texas at the Cactus Cafe one time. And, and uh, I said, I learned that song. And she said, let me hear it. And I played it for her just in the dressing room. And she said, why don't you play that for a while? <laughs> you know. And then later, I mean, subsequently, we've both recorded. A lot of people have recorded right. this song. I think that's it. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Thank you so much, Chris. My pleasure. Someone said they saw me. They said I was swinging the world by the tail, bouncing over a white cloud. I just killing the Yes, well, that was the uh, well, that was a bookend, really, of the Chris Smither section. 
Braxton. That was the, uh, so, sorry, that happened by accident. That was a bookend of the uh, Chris Smithers section here at Sitting with Jan Luca, Radio Free Brooklyn. Dot org. And what else do I have to announce? If you don't mind, you know, we have a Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh, no, there's something really cool happening because uh, I've only got a few minutes left and I'm going to play a long song. So uh, I do want to announce this. On the October 27th of this year, <laughs> what's that? Uh, oct- oh, God, that's coming up. Um, there is uh, from 5 p.m. to new, uh, to, to, to midnight in Sunnyvale, we're going to have a uh, Radio Free Brooklyn Fall Music Festival. It's going to be great. $10 admission. It all goes to keep our lights on. Please come. It'll be great. It will really be great. Come say hello to me, too. Um, just listen for my accent. Um, it's a uh, first of first ever fall music festival october the 27th come enjoy seven hours of live music food and an array of local vendors at east williamsburg venue sunnyvale which is located 131 grand street attendees will enjoy performances from bad citizen zia king terminal fury tyrant holy vulture king to burn we'd love you to join us we really would love you to join us if you want to find out more about it go to the radiofreebrooklyn.com or .org, or .com, Fall Fest. And uh, and check it out, really. Um, I am going to ease on out of here. You have been uh, listening to Sitting with Jan Luca here at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com or .org. Both addresses lead you to the same thing. And um, thank you for listening. Oh, and, and thank you for uh, complimenting me on my New Orleans show last week. Sitting with GT is my Instagram account. If you want to get in touch with me, I answer to everybody and I play all requests if you have one. Uh, and if you ask me not to play anything, <laughs> I will not play anything. I'll just talk. So anyway, I'm going to finish off uh, with, um, with a couple of Guy Clark songs, I think. Back to back the late guy clark who has also been my guest great songwriter uh teens tape the mic is coming up in uh, about e- 10 minutes well e- uh, uh, uh what's that so, yeah 10 minutes and seven seconds uh three seconds actually so here's guy clark the guitar followed by la freeway which is all about leaving town Well, I was passing by a pawn shop in an older part of town. Something caught my eye, and I stopped and turned around. I stepped inside, and there I spied in the middle of it all. was a beat-up old guitar hanging on the wall. What do you want for that piece of junk? I asked the old man. He just smiled and took it down, and he put it in my hand. Said you tell me what it's worth You're the one who wants it Turn it up, play a song And let's just see what haunts it So I hit a couple of chords My old country way of strumming And then my fingers turned to lightning Man, I never heard it coming It was like I always knew I just don't know where I learned it it wasn't nothing but the truth, so I just reared back and burned it. 
lost all track of time. There was nothing I couldn't pick. Up and down the neck, man, I never missed a lick. The guitar almost played itself, and there was nothing I could do. It was getting hard to tell just who was playing who. When I finally put it down, I couldn't catch my breath. My hands were shaking, and I was scared to death. The old man finally got up, said, "Where in the hell you been?" I've been waiting all these years for you to stumble in. And then he took down an old dusty case and said, "Go on, pack it up. You don't owe me nothing." And then he said, "Good luck." There was something spooky in his voice and something strange on his face. And when he shut the lid, I saw my name was on the case. Keep on playing. 
I can just get off of this L.A. freeway without getting killed or caught. Down that road in a cloud of smoke to some land. I ain't bought, bought, bought if I can just get off of this L.A. freeway without getting killed or caught. Down that road in a cloud of smoke to some land I bought. Put the pink card in the mailbox. Leave the key in that old front door lock. They'll find it likely as not. I'm sure there's something we have forgot. Oh, Susanna. Don't you cry, babe Love's a gift that's surely handmade We got something to be leaving Don't you think it's time we're leaving If I can just get off of this L.A. freeway Without getting killed or caught Down that road in a cloud of smoke to some land. I bop, bop, bop. If I can just get off of this LA freeway without getting killed or caught. You know, my wife Suzanne and I used to live out there in Los Angeles, damn California. Very weird place. The nice thing about it was right outside the front window was the prettiest little grapefruit tree you ever seen in your whole life. Oh, the grapefruit were sweet. Now, on the other hand, the weird part was the landlord. He's one of those guys that come home from work every day, go out to the garage, make his own bullets. One morning we awoke to the sound of the landlord out there with an axe. He's chopping down the grapefruit tree. Well, I went outside. Went outside very, 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 very carefully. I said, man, what are you doing? That all guys that this damned old grapefruit tree has been here 20 or 30 years. It's gotten so big and the roots spread out so far. 